0: let's pray lord we thank you that we are the body of christ we thank you lord that we are the army of god we thank you lord that you are the lord of hosts you're the captain you're our leader you have a glorious plan you spelled it out in your word we thank you, Lord, for the anointing of your Holy Spirit to carry out your will on this earth and to see your kingdom come and your will be done. Lord, help us to align with your will that we would use, be used powerfully in these last days. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. You know, the things that we were singing, you know, the early songs that we did are spiritual war. We're in a spiritual war. You know, I know that um, they had a, a rally for our president uh, downtown and, you know, was busy that day. But I know some, some of you guys went, um, Miko was there, John was there, some of you guys were there. And it's so weird in this political environment that for you to stand up for a president and to be assaulted, you know, verbally or whatever for your choice of a president is the society that we're living in we're in a very divided society right now and there's a lot of false information there's a lot of propaganda out there that's trying to whip this thing up into a frenzy so it would further divide the nation there's division on the sexes male against female there's division um, of gay versus straight, there's division of Republican versus Democrat. All these divisions, divisions, division, and the first thing the enemy, if you read Sun Tzu's uh, war, manual on warfare, one of the first principles is divide. You divide your enemy and you conquer them. And so that's one of the strategies that would like to happen in this country. The devil in charge of division and just split us, split us, split us into these factions and when we're, we're together, when there's a unity, there's a power in that. That God commands a blessing upon unity. And so the devil says, well, I got to bring my, I got to put my spin on it. And he's constantly trying to fracture society. He's constantly trying to bring our differences or come in and bring things that, that would instead of unify us, divide us. And it's very, um, it's a really razor's edge to uh, walk this walk. You know because there's times where we have our values and we have what we believe and it's being assaulted and when we represent what we believe and you you get hammered down or you see it get slammed in the media or whatever and it's kind of like you want to retaliate and yet we cannot retaliate because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds, that we don't resort to carnal methods. Because you get in there, you ever, you ever heard that, that saying, don't in, don't get into a uh, with a skunk? You know, you don't want to do that because that's their arena. That's the devil's arena. And for us to degrade to that, we're, we're off our home territory and we're at serious disadvantage at that point. And do I fall into that at times? I have to say, yes, I do. You know, there's times where I just, I lose it. And I'm watching a video on YouTube and I just have to make a comment about it. Yeah. And 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 my, I have to be a little bit more restrained because Pastor Tyler set up my YouTube account that says Church of the Firstborn. <laughs> and with our church logo on there. So I, I I have to, but sometimes I'm like, my wife says, and you put that on with Church of, I, I said, I have to do it, man. I had to do it. And, uh. The other day I was at home, I was studying, and I got a call from somebody, and it was somebody, um, I was like, did I hear this properly? It says, hello, and this is some, so-and-so calling for the Democratic Party, and, and I was like, I was like taken aback, like, what are you calling me, man? And uh, she said, oh, well, I'm, I'm representing these three candidates, and, and I just did a knee-jerk reaction to it. And I said, you'd have to shoot me in the head to vote for a Democratic <laughs> candidate. <laughs> Oh, and then she came back with something, and I go. And do you think President Trump is doing a, a good job? I said, absolutely. I, from my perspective, I believe he's doing a good job. I don't think this man gets credit for the things that he's done. We have a media that's opposed to him. We have an agenda that that just throws all shade on everything he does, and he never really gets the props for the things that he's doing. And he's a counterpuncher. You know what I mean? You punch him, he's gonna punch back two times harder. That's that's his reputation. He's a businessman. He he fights. And you know as us as Christians, you know, I read a book years ago and it says we as Christians sometimes are we supposed to be the nice guy. I think that we have that wrong sometimes about who we are in Christ, that we're just supposed to be the nice guy. And don't say anything and just step back to a point. You look at the life of Jesus. Was Jesus controversial? Yes. Did Jesus fight back against evil? Yes. Did he speak up in places where it might be, wow, he shouldn't have said that. Oh my gosh. That's who we're supposed to be. We're supposed to stand for righteousness. And God's got an army. Amen. It's his army. That's, that's what we are right now. We're his army. And you know, I, I, just, watched, I just bought that uh, movie um, Midway. Um, anybody see that, that movie? I love history. I love World War II history. Uh, it just, it's just fascinating. And especially this was so meaningful to the islands of Hawaii. Do you realize how perilous it was we, after Pearl Harbor? Thank God our, our aircraft carriers were out of out of the uh, Pearl Harbor or else we would have been naked. The, probably the Japanese would have came and invaded Hawaii, the Hawaiian Islands. But our aircraft carriers were out at sea practicing at that time. And this there was only I think three of them, three or four that were that were here and how they staved off this battle north of Hawaii at Midway and Admiral Yamamoto was the one who um, came up with the plan to take out Pearl Harbor and he, he came to America and he went to school in America I think it was Harvard that he was educated at, and they show all this in the movie, it's really a well done movie. And they, they show his his discourse in there with some of our, our uh, naval uh, people that were in Japan before the war. And his word was, we cannot win a prolonged battle with America. If we take on America, we better do it swiftly and we better do it decisively because they are a huge country. I've been there. I've seen their industry. I've seen their people. And and the Japanese were thinking Americans are soft. They're not going to fight. They don't want to get into a war. Don't take the American people as a pushover because we don't really like war, but if we're provoked, we will go to war. I say that about the church, too. You know, that we don't just lay down and take it. We've taken a lot, man. For the case of tolerance and getting along and this and that, we've taken a lot, but don't take the church for a pushover. Admiral Yamamoto, when he bombed Pearl Harbor, as he was getting away from that event and he saw which way this was going and we didn't get their aircraft carriers, and he was like, he goes, I fear that all we have done was awaken a sleeping giant we have really made these people mad and you're gonna watch their resolve come together as a nation and it's exactly what happened and you watch that show Midway it was a decisive battle where Americans came in there and the bravery you know one of the scenes and they said this they kept this thing as accurate as they could and they show one of the dive bombers who was coming down to attack one of their aircraft carriers and as the guy was in flames they shot him up and he lost control of his plane and he's aiming for (laughs) The tower on the, on the aircraft carrier and the Japanese commander is watching this like, what? What's he doing? And he said, he's aiming for a and sitting and, and he just barely missed it. He went off the side of the plane into the ocean, but he was aiming for the conning tower on the aircraft carrier to take that thing out with his last dying attempt he was trying to take. And they go, no way, his, his controls got stuck. They aren't, Americans aren't that brave to do something like that. When I look at those kinds of things and I see that this is the heritage of this country, that people, it says greater love is no man that he lay down his life for his friends. When you read about military exploits, when you read about guys who've been in the military and you wonder at the bravery, you wonder at the valor. That's one of the qualities of a Christian. It says to be a person of valor, to be a person of integrity, to take an order and carry it out even at the risk of your own well-being is one of the attributes of a soldier. It just, it it makes me wonder, you know. And even during the Vietnam War, I read a lot of books about the Vietnam War. And some of them didn't necessarily agree with the cause and how it was being fought. But when they got into the field, it was a band of brothers and they fought for one another. And it says that was what their, their motivation was. I'm fighting because the guy next to me. There would even be prejudice when they first got in there blacks against whites or whatever but they once they got under fire they were forged into a team and they said when they fought I'm fighting for this guy on my left or uh, on my left and this guy on my right and we are a unit and we're fighting to get out of here and they would have each other's backs are we coming into an environment in this nation that America hasn't known persecution America hasn't known Persecution like in China or in Africa or in China, you know, different parts of the world where the Christian church, I think that's the thing that forges the church together in these other places where the church actually grows when it's persecuted. When people come against it and it's not cool to be, it's not a culture to be a Christian anymore. It's actually despised to be a Christian. And are we going to flag, we're going to r- pull down our colors and say, well, I'm not really a Christian anymore. Or are we going to raise the flag of Christ and say, I am a believer. And this is true. That's what we need to do right now. We're, un- we're in a war right now, whether we realize it or not. You know, there's people, there's evil people in this world who, and you think to yourself, why would they do this? Why would people do this? You know, we sang it this morning. We have the ability to bind the princes of the powers of the air. Principalities. Our, our war is not against flesh and blood, but it's against uh, principalities and powers and hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. You can look up each one of those names. There's a specific task for each one of those things. For those who are, are put over nations. Those who are put over maybe um, a state. Those who are put over a city. Those who are put over a locality. Then there are denominations going down, those were assigned to you. Specific. There's things that they know, they generational. I know, you know, this. I push this button, I get this reaction from this guy. But we have the ability in our spiritual warfare to bind those things and not give the reaction that we would normally just, you know, it's like a puppet. I pull this string, his his leg comes up. I do this, the other leg comes, you know what I mean? The knee-jerk reaction. That Jesus. Cut those strings from us that we're no longer controlled by these powers and these forces. We have a greater power within us, the Holy Spirit's power within us, that we don't have to say, I can't, I can't stop. No, he's given us the power. He's given us the power. He hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. listen to this scripture this is in second you know I'm thinking about spiritual war every time you bring up spiritual warfare the first thing I, I think of is we have the belt of truth on we have the breastplate of righteousness on our feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace that I take on my helmet of salvation and take up the, the sword of the spirit and wield the sword the word praying in the spirit Standing firm standing in my stance and to be able but there's more to this than just that those are all powerful powerful things But I was thinking about it. What comes before the equipment is the soldier the person What kind of training goes on in that person to make them a soldier if you uh, you know I got people in in this church who've been to the military and the first thing that they do when you get into the military is They break you down You are no longer an individual. You're part of a bigger unit. We are part of God's army. We are no longer individuals, but we're part of God, what He has in mind. And He wants us to be able to respond. And even, you know, as we're singing up there, um, you know, that song, that, that first song, we never did that before. But Mika led us in that song. And we're all looking at his lead. What what does he want us to do now? And we're watching him because he's the leader. And we're submitted to his ministry. And we're looking for him. Okay, what do you want us to do now? Okay, boom, do this. And that's how it is within the body of Christ, within the church, that Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is the Lord of the army, the Lord of hosts. One of the first things that we need to do, and we're in part of an army or we're a soldier, is we know how to follow an order. This is the instruction manual right here. That we learn this and we say, Okay, Lord, I feel your Holy Spirit. I hear your Holy Spirit telling me that. That's a wall. That's outside of what I want you to be doing. And to follow that order where nobody would know. You know, nobody's watching me. Am I going to do it or not going to do it? But I want to be in submission to the Lord's will. I want to be pleasing to Him. And we submit to that prompting of the Holy Spirit within our hearts. It's important we're part of a larger unit you know we're, we're you know I remember asking Pastor Rob one time and I said man how do you convince people to do the Christian life because it's not easy it's hard and he says the reason why we do and submit to the Lord and are part of his army he goes because we were made to do this he says that, he says the rabbi said, he calls it yoking. We're yoked together. Either you're yoked to the Lord or you're yoked to something else. But we're all meant to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. Do you notice that there's people who are vehemently uh, for save the whales? or save the green planet. You know, we want the Green New Deal with Ocasio-Cortez and they'll they'll scream and hold signs and do whatever because that's what they're yoked to. This is a cause that's bigger than me. We gotta stamp out all the carbon on the earth. And everybody has something that they believe in that should be bigger than themselves, that transcends your life. And that's something that God has placed within each man, each woman, that we're a part of something larger than ourselves. That we must give ourselves to that. Even when it's uncomfortable, even when it's hard. You know, we talk about it every week here. The Lord says to do these things, to come to church on Sunday. Well, I could go to the beach today. I could, you know, give your money to the kingdom of God. Well, I got bills and I got this that I want to buy. But we submit to the truth of God's word and we do it. Right? So we're, 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 we're part of a larger unit and we're disciplined. I think that you know I was listening to a sermon on the way over, and it was a guest speaker that was preaching for the normal pastor. And he goes, "I'm not the I'm not the best uh, preacher over here, but I was asked to do it, and I did it the best of my ability." And he goes, "And sometimes all that is required of us as believers is just to show up, just to show up, and God will do something. He'll use us. He'll do something with us, right? So that's part of the program. We need to be disciplined." We have to be trained. You know, if you've been in the military, you know, that's the thing, it's training, man. You know, you, they're, they're banging on the, on the rubbish can at four o'clock in the morning, kicking you out of bed. It's time we're gonna run five miles this morning, or whatever. It's discipline that takes, you know, to whip you into a unit, to make you into a fighting soldier so that you can respond, has a love for his fellow soldiers has a love for the fellow, you know, like I said, when under combat, under the baptism of fire, they call it, that it, it, it forges a unit at that point. We need to be brave. Able to endure hardship. You know, Paul says that, that we're to do ministry to endure hardship as a soldier. You know, that's part of the, part of the program. We're under his authority. We have to do things by the book. The last thing I wrote: We're fighting for an eternal truth. We're fighting for what is true, what is lasting. It's not a lie. This is true. This stuff is coming to pass. There's people out there that don't know this. They don't know these truths. In one, uh, Second Timothy two twenty-five, it says this: that you know part of the job of a pastor or being a Christian is says in humility. Correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance, so that they may know the truth, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. You ever consider that, that some people just do some crazy stuff? Here it says that they've been taken captive by the devil to do what he wants. Either we're doing the Lord's will, or we're doing the devil's will, and there's no middle ground. That's pretty startling. That's what the Word of God says. Either you're serving the Lord or you're serving the devil. No, I'm not. I'm neutral. There's no neutral ground. Either you're serving the Lord or you're serving. Jesus says, they go, we're Abraham's seed. And Jesus says, no, you're not. You're of your father, the devil, because the deeds that the devil does, you guys want to do. You're conspiring to murder Jesus, me, you're, in, you're conspiring to murder your Messiah, and the deeds of your father you want to do because they've been taken captive by the devil to do his will when you see these evil people and the th- plans that they have conspired for this planet how could they do this They're fellow humans because they've been taken captive by the devil to do his will and they're getting something from it but it's a bad trade because it's all gonna burn it's coming to a close and I'd rather be on the winning team Amen. We are on the winning team. Sorry. Here are some scriptures describing who we once were apart from Christ. First John five, eighteen and nineteen. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Once again, a distinction. Either you're the Lord's, or you're the devil's, and you're under the sway of the world. You ever watch the the TV and some of the, the things that you see on TV, and just look at it like, what? Because, you know, I kind of turned off our TV a while ago and I can't even abide watching commercials anymore because even the commercials are corrupted these days. Amen? And you watch it and you're just like, I don't even feel a part of this anymore. I almost feel shame, you know, to be affiliated as an American to some of the things that go down on TV and it's just like, what is going on here? And it just really, you know, went south, but I believe it can turn around. I believe that when people of God stand up and say, that's enough, you went too far this time. And that's normally what the devil does. He pushes things too far, and then he gets people's ire, and they say, there's going to be some blowback now. I think that's where we're at right now as a nation. I've seen in LA of all places, in Hollywood of all places, protests in the street saying, our children are not for sale. Stop the child trafficking. Stop abusing our kids. In the face of these Hollywood people, and if you know what's going on with that, I'm not even going to bring it up in the pulpit this this uh, Sunday. But it's disgusting what's going on in Hollywood, and it's finally come to light. And there's finally some blowback on this, and how these people, these idols, are falling. These idols are falling because what they did was wicked. And we need to continue to press in and pray. You know, one of the things that we've prayed for, you know, since we started our morning prayer is, Lord, bring down the curtain, bring down the cloaking of these things that are going on in the darkness. Bring it down and expose it so that it can be dealt with. And we're seeing it. We're seeing it. And there's people marching in the streets of California and Hollywood saying, this is enough. And this is a time where the church could rise up and this could be our finest hour to stand for what is true, what's eternal, what's coming. The kingdom is coming. The king is coming. He's bringing a kingdom with him. Amen. Ephesians 2, 1 and 2 it says, And you he made alive who were dead in your trespasses and sins, and once you once walked according to the course of the world. Do you know that there's something... You know, even in in the Vietnam War, they were in the war, and they would call going back home, they go, when I get back to the world, when I get back to the world, that means when I get back to America, I'm going to have a hamburger, I'm going to have a beer, I'm going to do this, I'm going to ride my, you know, I'm going to drive my new car, and all these things. They were outside of the world when they were in this hell fighting. But they said, this is what I'm looking for. I'm going back. But even here in the Bible, it says that there's, there's a place or there's a, there's a kingdom here, a divided kingdom, two kingdoms. There's the prince of the power of the air and the prince of this world, and then there's God's kingdom. But his kingdom hasn't manifested fully yet. Jesus even said, if my kingdom were of this world, my people would fight physically with, with, with swords, they would fight. They wouldn't allow me to go to the cross, but it's not of that yet but it is coming his kingdom is coming let me read this again from the start ephesians 2 1 and 2 and you he made alive who are dead in trespasses and sins in which once you conducted yourself according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air satan that's what his name is the prince of the power of the air in the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience among whom also we conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath just as the others we were at one time right in that camp we ran with the pack we did whatever the world did we thought yeah that's cool i'll jump in with that you know but now that we've been born again and we're of a different kingdom, there's a warfare going on within our hearts. It says, man, I don't want to do that, but the flesh wants to do it, but you don't do that anymore, but the flesh wants to do it. Keep it real. Yeah, and it's like, it's like they said, it's that war, John, you remember? The two dogs within the man. Two dogs within our heart. Which one's winning? The white dog or the black dog? Which one you feeding the most? You feed that black dog bugger can break the chain it just go off we got to feed that feed the spiritual man this food right here get into the word consume it it's be we're being conformed i'm a soldier in god's army i don't go a wall i don't bucket orders i listen to the lord and i do it accordance with him you know the one who jesus marveled at the most we all know the story jesus was walking with his disciples and there's two accounts of it. I wrote them down. There's two accounts. There's one in Matthew and there's one in Luke. Matthew 8, uh, 5. We got to go there. Let me read this. This is so powerful. So Matthew chapter 8, a soldier confronted, or not confronted, but appealing to Jesus. We should be familiar with this story if you've ever read the Bible. But this is in chapter chapter 5 of Matthew's Gospel, verse uh, 5. Chapter 8, verse 5. And it says, Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him. Now there's a discrepancy in these stories. In the book of Luke, it says that he sent envoys or people ahead and says this is my request of Jesus and it's an interesting thing but anyway we'll go with this first it says saying Lord my servant is lying at home paralyzed dreadfully tormented and Jesus said to them I will come and heal him and the centurion answered and said Lord I am not worthy that you come under my roof but only speak the word and the servant will be healed can you imagine that now think about this context of this this is a roman centurion this man was responsible for a hundred soldiers he wasn't a scrub he was a commander of a hundred people and he's in Jeru- i mean he's in uh, israel and they're occupying force in this place and they have the authority to say i demand jesus come over here and do this and he says i'm not even worthy That you would come under my roof. This itinerant Jew teaching people on the streets, living and sleeping out in the wilderness wherever he used to sleep. And this man sees the authority on Jesus to that degree. And he says this, I am a man under authority. And when I say somebody do this, you go over there. And in fact, in Luke's account, that's what it was. He sent people. He didn't even go himself because he goes, I'm not even worthy to come and speak to him face to face. I'll send somebody to give this message. And they received the message. And he says, wow. Verse 9, For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this one, Go, and he goes, and to another, Come, and he comes, and to my servant, Do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard that, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you, that many will come from the east and from the west and sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, "Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you." And his servant was healed that same hour. You know, before, there's other accounts in here that Jesus, when Gentiles would come up to them and ask for something, he says. I have not come here to, to feed the crumbs to you, to the Gentiles. I've come to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. His first ministry was to the Jewish people. He would kind of just brush them aside. But this got Jesus' attention to the degree he says, whoa, I got to stop. I got to respond to that. Because there was somebody who understood his authority. Somebody that was under submission to the Roman rule and looked at this. Somehow this man got a, got a revelation of who Jesus Christ was. And he says, whoa. And it caught his attention and stopped him in his tracks. And he said, man, that is faith right there that's one of the weapons of our warfare it's the shield of faith to hold up the shield of faith when things don't look like they're going to happen you know it's just like what uh, patrice was saying and annabelle you know there there's times where we pray prayers and it takes long and we pray and we don't see anything but we hold up that shield of faith lord you're hearing these prayers and you're doing it in accordance with your will and that gets god's attention it gets God's attention there's another account the first Gentiles that this the church was going on for about seven years and they figured this is a Jewish thing Jesus came for the Jews he saved the Jews and it's all about us and finally the Lord had to intervene and Peter was up on the roof in his place over there and he had this vision of a sheet coming down of clean and unclean animals and he he told Peter Peter rise kill and eat and he goes not so Lord I've never, I'm a Jew and I've never eaten anything unclean. And he says, what I've cleansed, let no man call unclean. And he did it three times, three times. And he finally got it like, whoa, he's telling me to go. He says, there's somebody coming and and you just do what they tell you to do. And it was the first Gentile that responded to the gospel, another centurion, another soldier. So God has an affinity for soldiers. It seems, I think there's about I think they said 10 different centurions in the Bible that were mentioned. And I think what catches the Lord's attention on that is they're submitted to authority. They're disciplined. They're people of virtue. They're people that would take an order. And the Lord is looking for that kind of person in his kingdom. He's looking for people that would put their life at risk. That would go out of their comfort zone to help somebody else. You know, it just drives me nuts that now that there's some states that are saying, defund the police force, What, what kind of mentality is this? You know, we, John prayed for it on, on Friday night. He says, "Lord, we pray for those first responders. We pray, pray for our police force, that they're the ones that are willing to get up every day and go into harm's way. And can you imagine if we didn't have any police? Who are you going to call? You get anarchy in the streets, they're burning things down, they're looting, who are you gonna call? I believe that we are the spiritual police force here right now between a veil of darkness and chaos that would like to come in and we can stand in the gap right now and pray for this thing not on our call, Amen. not on our watch. That when we pray and we stand up for what is righteous, when we proclaim Christ, we're pushing back the darkness. And that's who we are in Christ that's our identity these are all realities of spiritual warfare this is spiritual warfare you know I heard that you know they were over there you know supporting our president and campaigning for that and people you know giving the one finger salute and them screaming them out you know I've done that we've been out on the streets and see what goes on I've seen other places where they say I went out on in Portland and they go I tell you what these people are possessed by the devil and they're not they're not kidding they're they're foaming at the mouth and just ranting at the things that they want to see society turned into and unless we respond with the light of the gospel with the truth in love it's hard it's hard to okay we're, we, the Lord loves these people but that's where we cannot fall into that arena I'm telling you all these things what I'm talking about right now when you go into battle you better make sure you got your armor on. And if there's any chinks in that armor, believe me, the devil is going to be looking for that stuff. You want to get into the flesh? Oh, this is good. This is going to be a good fight, man. You remember when they went in? They go, we just took down Jericho. We took down Jericho. Ah, AI, it's such a small place. It's, it's, it's Manini over there. But somebody went in and grabbed some clothes and grab some silver and some gold and buried it in their tent I just sent a few hundred guys over there to deal with this battle they got their butt kicked because somebody was disobedient and when there's disobedient you open up a, you open up a hole in your armor and you're gonna get hit and the devil, he says, he goes about like a roaring lion. He's just looking, looking, looking. looking. Where's my opportunity? Where's my opportunity? Just give me, a, give me a shot. Give me a shot. And that's what he's looking for. These are all pieces of the armor. This is preparing the soldier within the armor to be able to do battle. And uh, uh, like, I uh, forget the name of the guy, but he said to go down long, go down deep, stay down long, and come up dry. To be able to do stuff that you normally wouldn't be able to do, covered by the blood of Jesus. Having the full armor on, the armor of light, it's called. To be submitted to God and look at your conscience and say, Lord, is there anything out of order here? I remember the first time we were asked to do uh, the EO project, to go up on the Hiaos and go pray against the innocent blood that was shed on the islands. And somebody appealed, they they came to our church and said, please, we need men. We need men to do this. All the women are jumping up because the women are normally prayer warriors and they're more sanctified men We're we're like, you know, we're here and there and whatever. And it says, I need men to be represented. And I I told one of my friends, I said, I'm going to go, I'm going to go do this. And he goes, you sure you're going to go? You know that kind of stuff, man. That stuff will will follow you home and whatever. And the fear that they want to bring on it. But if we're sanctified by the blood of Jesus, He hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Amen? And that's who you guys are. This is training for the army of God. That we multiply our efforts and we go out there and we represent and drive back the darkness. This is who we are in Christ. This has a very happy ending for us. Those outside of this, not so happy. Right? We just went through the book of Revelation. Let me tell you the crowning day that that is just like, well, one of the things is to hear that trumpet blast. And in the Bible, it says the trumpets, one of the reasons why trumpets were blown was to muster an army. It says when they were in the camp and they said, okay, we're going to go to war. And there was a certain blast of the trumpets or a certain way that they would blast it. They would say, men, get ready. We're going to war. And then there was another blast that says, we're getting ready to break camp over here. And we're on the move. And there was a certain, they would blow the trumpets a certain way. It's in the Old Testament. But there's a trumpet that we're waiting for right now. It's that blast from heaven, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and we who are alive and remain will be caught up in the heavens to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with him, part of the Lord's army. But that's not it. We're coming back to take dominion. In chapter 19 in the book of Revelation, it says, Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. Jesus is not a wimp. He came the first time as the Lamb of God. He's coming back the second time as the Lion of the tribe of Judah, and he's taking dominion amen his eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns he had a name written which no one knew except himself and he was clothed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God the word of God you want to know Jesus get to know the word of God amen it says and the armies in heaven clothed in fine white linen um, followed him on white horses Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, and with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he add on his robe and his thigh a name, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We're coming back with the Lord, man. When the saints come marching in, I want to be amongst that number. You know, in reality, it says, vengeance is mine I will repay, saith the Lord. We're just spectators at the battle because it's not even a fair fight. He just speaks a word and foom, it's dust. Antichrist, false prophet in the lake of fire, devil bound by a chain thrown into the pit for a thousand years, and everybody else squashed like grapes. Seriously, that's how it goes down. Like I said, for us, we got a great future. For the rest, not so much. You want to get on board the salvation train now? Amen. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Let's pray.